Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 4. And I want to continue sharing on the fivefold ministry. How many of you have ever heard of the fivefold ministry? A few of us, praise the Lord. The fivefold ministry is explained and written by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.11, which says that Jesus gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So there are five ministries that are given as an expression of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Have you ever wondered why people are preaching different things, have different points of emphases, have different specialties, if you will? This is because of the grace of God upon their life. That is, it's, this isn't a comment about personality. It's about the grace that God has given those who are a part of the fivefold ministry to express His ministry to the church. And it says that these ministries are given until all 12 apostles died. Wrong. It says that these ministries are given until Scripture was written. Somebody's got to get... No, it says that these five ministries and the gifts of the Spirit, that this is the activity of the Spirit of God, of the person of Jesus, of the Father Himself, that He is activating and inspiring and energizing these things in His body until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the full knowledge of the stature of Christ. How many of you think that's happened in a church that's divided with hundreds of denominations? There's no way. So we've kicked the fivefold ministry out of the church. Well, we kind of like shepherds. We call them pastors, but a lot of pastors aren't pastors. And that's why we have confusion, because the church has become professional rather than biblical. We've made careers out of callings, and we have a whole lot of things confused. Right? So for the building up of the body of Christ, so we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but each of the five ministries have a unique word that they're transmitting to the body, and we need all five. We're not free to pick and choose. So here's what the Lord Jesus spoke to me during worship that I felt led to share as a part of this message. That there are three groups of people when it comes to the truth. And I just heard this a few minutes ago, so it might be a little rough. But there are three groups of people when it comes to the truth. There are those that treat the truth like a brick. And they grab hold of the brick and they bash people over the head and they beat people down. I have never in my life met one single person that was shouted at that you're a failure and you're going to hell and you're going to burn forever from a mean snarling gnashing teeth person and they walk by like oh wow you're right would you would you no 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 there's a there's something in us so the truth is not a brick the second group is those that treat the truth like a buffet where we pick and choose the parts of the truth that we like, and then the parts that we don't understand or we're afraid of, we choose to dismiss. When you go through a buffet line, you go, ooh, I like that, I don't like that, I like this, I don't like that. Man, can you make more of this? We're out of rolls. Is that what anybody does? It's just me. All right, I repent. (laughs) We treat the truth like a buffet. We treat the truth like a brick. But in truth, the truth is bread. It's bread for people. Jesus is the bread of life and we should be portioning out truth in different kinds and measures. There are different environments for truth. 
There's Bible study truth. There's worship truth. There's preaching truth. There's one-on-one discipleship truth. How do we get the full counsel of God imparted to disciples so that they're equipped and trained and mature? It's because we need all of the truth. We have to stop treating the truth like a buffet. We are not free to just, well, I don't understand tongues or prophecy or the ministries or what in the world is even an apostle. Well, the 12 apostles died. Well, guess what? The New Testament, there are other apostles. Paul was not one of the 12. Timothy was not one of the 12. Titus was not one of the 12. Epaphroditus in Philippians 2.25, not one of the 12. So we're talking about five-fold ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers that are alive in the earth today that have a super abundance of God's grace to express the ministry of Christ to his church so that we would reach the full stature of Jesus are you with me so part of that building up is that apostles will tell you to grow up and prophets will tell you to wake up and evangelists will tell you to giddy up and go in the lost shepherds tell you to heal up and teachers tell you to study up But we like being told to study up and heal up. But when it comes to giddy up, when it comes to grow up and wake up, we say, no, 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 we don't like you. So we've quite literally extinguished and tried to kick out specifically apostles and prophets in the church of Jesus Christ. But we need all five if we're going to mature. I'm telling you, God is restoring right now in this hour His gifts and His ministries and His fatherhood to His people. If you do not know and understand and have a deep revelation of the fatherhood of God, that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He chose you before the foundation of the world, that Jesus came to represent and manifest the Father to us, that we might be changed and transformed in the way we think and the way we feel and the way we act and the way that we treat one another, then you are lacking and anemic in your walk with the Lord. If you do not understand that you have the gifts of the Spirit of God inside of you, it says to each one, He has given gifts. You might have a gift of prophecy or faith, a word of wisdom. You might have a gift to lead. You might have a mercy gift inside of you where compassion is like your first nature. It's what you love to do. You may have a distinguishing of spirits gift where you can tell if something is God or the devil or flesh. All of those things we need. You might have a five-fold ministry upon your life. These are for everyone. Each one has been given the gifts of the Spirit. These are for some. It says He gave some for the equipping of the saints. These are the very things that God is restoring in the church. And how do I know He's restoring it? Because all over the earth right now, people are hearing and growing and discerning and waking up and realizing, oh my God, what have we done? Our church structure itself is literally a buffet of our favorite things. We get our favorite preacher and we follow them and oh, the the sheep just need their shepherd and we're addicted to who's your pastor and God has given us more. But here has been my horror in my life is I thought that if you could show people the truth and you could teach it to them in the word of God that they would want to do it. That's not the case. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's inconvenient. Because it challenges, say it with me, religion. It challenges tradition. It cha- well, well where, where can I find that? Right here. Right there. That's where you can find it. 
So God is restoring His church to a biblical expression. If this sounds radical to you, I implore you, it's just biblical. We love the Word of God. Did you know that among the... Listen, everybody's pastor so-and-so, right? We have a shepherd, pastor. We can call those interchangeable for the sake of teaching. Do you know how many times the word shepherd as it relates to a five-fold ministry is mentioned in the Scriptures? Hold up your index finger. One. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds. That's the only time. Teachers in Acts 13.1. One time. Apostles, prophets, over 75 times. What are the ministries that we know and understand the least about? Apostles and prophets. Why is that? Because religion makes war upon growing up and waking up. Because religious tradition wants you to remain immature, addicted, and asleep so that you can snooze and slumber through your whole life and never encounter the real reason why Jesus died for you. So that you would wake up and realize, I've got the Christ living inside of me. I'm the light of the world and I'm called to make a difference in my sphere of influence. I'm called to be that voice of activation and comfort and presence in my family but here's what happens we get discouraged specifically in the realm of family and I am going to touch this because it's the holiday season where we feel that friction and that tension and our family wants us to chill out and just slow down see here's what religion says it doesn't take all that oh this is how we've always done it I heard it said during the service that God is doing a new thing. Can I tell you the new thing that He's doing is an old thing? The new thing He's doing is the restoration of His church. If you read in Acts 3, Jesus is shut up in heaven. Go read it for yourself. Until the restoration of all things. So while we're waiting for Jesus to come back like it's some ethereal thing, no, Jesus is in heaven and He will return once God has restored these things to the church. His ministries, His gifts, His fatherhood to His people. It's time for the people of God to know God once again. Why do we have so many messages and tickling ears about all things that are irrelevant and don't matter? There's so much preaching about stuff that is quite literally going to burn up and will pass away with us. Do you honestly think that the apostles, the prophets of old, that the the seraphim that are surrounding the throne of God, that they would get in the pulpit, that they would preach to you? What would they preach to you about? God! I listen to preachers and preachers preaching about God. Tell me about God. Tell me about the solution. Tell me about my Father. Explain to me Jesus and His priesthood and His ministry. Help me understand the Holy Spirit so that I can walk in all these things. But here we are and it's December and all the pastors are tired from all their uh, calendars and all their planning so we roll out church at the movies. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, full of the most incredible, powerful stories that I've ever heard. And here we go like, well, let me show you how Remember the Titans is in the Gospel of Mark. I love Remember the Titans. Zero fun, sir. I really want to quote the movie right now. Mobile, agile, hostile. I'm done. I love it when I interrupt myself. All right, back to Paul. Thank you. 
What have we done with Jesus' bride? Oh my God. I'm telling you, it comes from a place of sorrow. I just grieve. I feel a burden that I cannot shake, that I don't even want, but I wouldn't dare ask God to take it away because I know that it's Jesus sharing His heart with me, looking at His people and His bride all across the earth that are addicted. Do you know what a problem boredom is in the church? We've catered to bored people, so we're like, oh, we got to make it entertaining. We got to make it fun. It's got to be funny. Oh, and all the while people are passing away and going to hell. They don't have the courage to share the gospel with their family members, but man, they really thought your message was funny. What have we done? God is restoring in this hour, He is awakening His bride that there's more. I challenge you in 2023 to read the Bible and say, God, show me your word in action. We want to marry the Word of God and the Spirit of God together in this house. They're not divorced. Speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues every day because the Word of God says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. And I will pray in tongues. And I will pray with my understanding. It says, do not put out the Holy Spirit's fire. That's what my Word says. But man, religious tradition, it will suffocate you. It will blind you. It will choke the life out of you. It will keep you poor and stale and dry and naked. You won't have anything to show for your walk because religion robs you dead and blind. But there's more. There's abundant life. There's power from on high. There's presence of the Holy Spirit that you would know God is truly with me. Is anyone listening this morning? So where are we? 1 Corinthians 4. (laughs) Let's look at verse 1. We're going to talk about apostles today. And apostolic grace. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So how should we think about fivefold apostles? Servants, stewards, this is not a mystery. Why are modern day apostles, they have an entourage and a bookkeeper and an armor bearer and a Cadillac driver and it's bogus. Trust me, God is confronting this stuff too. He's dealing with the money changers in his house. He's dealing with preachers that have massive mansions. Meanwhile, people in their congregation are broken poor. Jump to verse 9. For I think, this is Paul talking, who's an apostle. God has exhibited us apostles last of all. Would you say last? As men condemned to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished But we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty, and we're poorly clothed and roughly treated, and we're homeless, and we toil, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we're persecuted, we endure. When we're slandered, we try to reconcile. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even unto now. 
Who wants to be an apostle? All the true apostles I've ever met never wanted it. Because if you truly understand apostolic ministry, you realize it's a death sentence. So I want you to write this down. Apostles are chosen by God to suffer for His glory. In order for them to finish last, they have to realize they're deserving of last. True apostolic ministry receives a great crushing and oppressing that goes far beyond your boundaries or what you think is right or fair. Because God has appointed apostles to suffer for His namesake. It's one of the marks of true apostolic ministry is suffering. When Ananias is sent to Saul, the Lord gives him a message and says, He's a chosen instrument of mine. Go and tell him that he must suffer for my namesake. What if our call to ministry looked like you have been chosen by God to suffer for His glory? See, but we've turned ministry and pastors and pulpits into a point of arrival where you're on the pedestal and you're the influential guy and the slick talker and the cute outfits and the funny jokes. And yet God is dealing with it and restoring true ministry to His house. Let's keep reading. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors or teachers in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. So apostles are spiritual fathers that impart the fatherhood of God to the church. Apostles carry the fathering heart of God to see people made whole and well. Paul saying, you're my children because of the gospel. Because I won you and I was the vessel and the vehicle through whom God used to bring you to salvation. I am your father by the spirit because this is a part of the ministry of true apostles. Do you see that in the text. Paul's not making stuff up. Jesus is restoring what's biblical and right. We're not talking about the 12 apostles who died. We're talking about fivefold apostles. These 12 have their names written on the foundation stones in New Jerusalem, Revelation 21.4 says. They have a unique and special place in the plan of God. We're talking about fivefold apostles that are given at the ascension of Christ that His ministry might not be abandoned in the earth but expressed to his church does that make sense okay I became your father through the gospel verse 16 I exhort you therefore be imitators of me so a few weeks ago we talked about how apostles are architects do you remember that 1 Corinthians 3.10 says, According to the grace of God given to me as a wise master builder. That word there is sophos architectone, which in Greek is wise architect, architectone. Apostles are architects that lay foundation, that carry blueprints to build the house of God. And they are also ambassadors. So I'm giving you another A word. We had servants and stewards. Now we have architects and ambassadors. These are things you should associate with apostolic ministry. True apostles, he's saying, imitate me. 
I want you to be imitators of me. He's saying that my walk is not perfect, but it's close to the Lord. And when you look at my life, you can see the scars and the emphasis and the ministry of Christ. The character of Jesus. Apostles have Christ-like character. Apostles aren't overlords. Apostles aren't pimping the church. Apostles are servants. They're stewards of the mysteries of Christ. They have spiritual children because they're spiritual fathers. Apostles are ambassadors rightly representing the ministry of Jesus Christ. The character of the Son of God is made manifest in unique ways through the ministry of apostles. That's why they're chosen to suffer. Because Jesus learned obedience through what He suffered. The same is true for all of us, especially apostles. When you think about the fivefold ministry, would you show me your hand? Just raise your hand at me. When you think about the fivefold ministry, apostles are the thumb. Keep your hand up. What does that mean? Apostles are the thumb. Apostles are the thumb in that they can touch every other finger on the hand. So if this is apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, true apostolic ministry is a blend. You can put your hand down now. I'll keep mine up. True apostolic ministry is a blend of prophetic, teaching, shepherding, and evangelizing. That's why their destiny is wrapped up in equipping the saints and motivating prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to fulfill their ministry because true apostles are equippers and fathers that are touching the other graces. This is why we get so confused because you hear someone prophesy and we go, oh, you're a prophet. Someone has a teaching, we go, well, you're a teacher. Someone brings you a meal in the hospital and you go, oh, you're a shepherd. We shouldn't be handing out titles like candy. God isn't concerned about our titles. He's not trying to create a hierarchy in his church so we can all worship oh we'll trade the senior pastor for the senior apostle not he's building and constructing a family I'm telling you spiritual families are going to be the ones that not just survive but thrive through the coming persecution that is going to touch this nation and the current church doesn't have an answer for the lawlessness and the wickedness that is going to be so in your face that everybody who's woke, everybody who has a little bit of the seeds of the world sowed into them, every preacher that's actually a coward that's not willing to die for their faith is going to be exposed at the coming of the Lord. I'm telling you, persecution brings purity. We need more persecution in this nation. When I hear that they're passing laws and they're legislating things and they're turning up the heat, I say, we're getting closer. I don't say, let me build a bomb shelter and get extra cases of water. I want to be found preaching the gospel and winning souls, not hiding out in my garage. <laughs> Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. So apostles are the thumb. They can touch the other graces as needed. They can teach. They can prophesy. They can shepherd. They can win souls. That's why humility is so important. The devil comes to deceive apostolic people into pride and arrogance. 
Acts 8, <clears throat> verse 4. How are we doing? We okay? Right, what in the world are we learning? Bible. Acts 8, verse 4. We're going to learn about Philip here. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was much rejoicing in that city. So here we see Philip in Acts 21.8. Luke clarifies that he's an evangelist. And Philip the evangelist was one of the seven deacons that were set in in Acts chapter 6. This is the same brother. And he's an evangelist and he's anointed by God to do what? To go to gather, to win souls. Evangelists are at their best when they're mobile and they're traveling and they're in prisons or they're in bars or clubs where Christ gets activated in them and they're preaching reconciliation. Give your life to Jesus now. Evangelists carry an urgency about their ministry where you feel like, I'm probably going to die tomorrow. I need to get right with God. It's true. It's how the grace manifests. Again, this isn't personality. This isn't about how they talk or walk or dress. This is about grace that gets manifested through their life. So Philip gets sent to Samaria and he sees fruit. He's casting demons out of people, which yes, you can have demons. You can be filled with all kinds of demonic agendas. If you are watching pornography, if you are opening the doors through gambling, through drinking, through addiction, if anything has a hold of your life that is not Jesus Christ it is an open door for demonic affliction you need to repent close the door and plead the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of your life well we wonder I can't hear God and I'm confused and I'm depressed well your life is saturated in hell but we expect the benefits and the blessings of the good shepherd but we don't want to do what he says it says the foundation in the New Testament is written and it says, The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord abstain from wickedness. Preaching obedience isn't legalism. It's gospel. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will obey me. It's time to listen to the Master's voice again. It's not a buffet. It's bread. Are you eating this morning? All right, turn to verse 14. So we've captured Philip here, winning souls in Samaria. Now look at the New Testament church. What do they do? Verse 14 of Acts 8. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. What in the world is going on? You have a group of people in Samaria that are saved but not filled. 
Apostles come to bridge the gap because apostles are foundation layers and because apostles have a special grace to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's a subsequent event post-salvation or post-your-water baptism. Sometimes people get baptized in the Holy Spirit before they get baptized in water. That's in the Scripture. Sometimes they get baptized in water and then the Spirit. Sometimes it happens at about the same time and the evidence one of the initial evidences of baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues or in Acts 19 Paul asked them have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit and they say no we've not heard that there's a Holy Spirit he lays his hands on them and they begin to speak in tongues and prophesy because when you get filled with the Holy Spirit it's a total drenching and a complete waterfall you get totally immersed in the things of the Spirit so being Being saved is like taking a drink of water. Being filled would be like jumping in a pool and drowning for the glory of God. I had a woman once, she told me, she said, I don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I like to listen to preachers who say they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit because you can tell a difference in their preaching. And I was like, what? It's like, I don't don't speak in tongues, it's weird. Why is there such warfare over tongues? If you want to get people excited and jazzed and razzed and ready to fight, we don't get mad about demons and warfare and pornography. No, we get upset about tongues. I still can't figure out why it's so weird for people other than you're too smart to pray in tongues. Rather than being spiritual, you're intellectual. You want to think your way into the kingdom, but we inherit the kingdom through faith and through tribulation. God takes the most unruly member in James that says the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. He takes your most unruly, hard-to-control member And he wants to tame it for the glory of God. He wants you to babble and you won't know what you're saying, but he does. And you're speaking mysteries to God and your spirit is edified. Listen, if you attend a church that claims that they love the Bible, but tongues is forbidden, then you have your homework assignment to ask them, why are we clearly violating scripture? But again, I thought if you could show it to people in the word, because it's everywhere. You, we like, we want the book of Acts. I'm like, are you sure? Because you might have to surrender control and your pastor might have to repent for the fear that he's put on people and telling people, oh, tongues is demonic and prophecy is weird and oh, it's just a prosperity gospel. I know hundreds of thousands of people that love Jesus that so generously that aren't taking up offerings for prophetic words, that aren't using and abusing and peddling the word of God. They're serving and preaching. They're seeing people healed and saved and delivered. What do you want people to do that have laid hands on the sick and they've recovered? Deny it? Oh, we we don't do that here. Oh, you got a demon? Well, they send them to us. I got an afflicted family member. We can't figure out why. Well, we'll get them free. But we're not special. We're just humble. We're just stupid enough to believe the Word of God. Do you realize that he's taken the things that wise people can't comprehend and he's hidden them for babies? I'm going to babble my way into the glory of God. So you have a group of people, they're saved, but they're not filled. This is one of the greatest tragedies in the church today. 
Because when you get filled, it says you will receive power from on high. You will experience things that you cannot explain. I was at a gas station a couple of weeks ago and the Lord spoke to me about the man at the pump next to me about a wound that he had from his mother and I saw his mother taking him to church camp and beating him using the truth as a brick. And when I spoke this to him, this man broke down and said, do you know my mom? I said, no, but I know your father. I know the one who made you. I'm not making this up. This is from the Spirit of God. He loves you. He cares for you, but you need to repent right now and come out of sin before it's too late. God is demonstrating His grace and His glory and His power and His presence all over the earth. So the invitation is, please don't miss out. But some of us, we're disappointed with God. We're angry with Him. We're bitter. We have unforgiveness in our lives. We don't understand the nature of God because we've allowed the devil to deceive us and tell us God's not really good. God doesn't really care. Oh, someone in your family died of cancer or you were afflicted or there was some tragedy that struck your life and God abandoned you. No, He didn't. If the devil has a ministry... It's to deceive the people of God and to distort the true character and nature of our Father. The devil has one mission and it's to get you to believe anything other than the truth about God. Who's with me this morning? I'm not even sure if I'm with me, but Jesus is with me. So apostles impart spiritual gifts through the laying on of hands. There's an activation. That happens. There's an impartation that happens through relationship because of the ministry of apostles. Apostles oftentimes are troublemakers. Apostles can't handle the box. They can't take the structure. They have the spontaneity of apostolic and prophetic grace causes there to be a shaking and a trembling and a breaking out. And that's why we're like, hey, that doesn't fit in our 55-minute service. We have somewhere else to be. We've got other people coming in. We're, these aren't sheep. These are cattle. These are, this is a herd. Get them in and get them out. Am I telling the truth this morning? God is purifying and cleansing. And de- Guys, I g- genuinely know people that are under deep conviction for the way they lead their churches. It's so encouraging that don't make room for prophecy, that don't have anyone share, that don't, it's in control. And guys, we say the Holy Spirit like He's active and alive and He's powerful, and then we get together and everything goes exactly as we had planned every single week for years on end, and we call it God. I call it man. I call it tradition. I call it catering to people because we're more afraid of people not giving and not coming than we are offending God. All right, I want to continue to give you these distinctions and then I'll land the plane. Maybe a crash landing this morning as my voice gives out. Hallelujah. Somebody get me a sweat rag. No, I don't want tissues. They stick to my face and look like I tried to shave my forehead. So we're making these distinctions. We've, We've done A, B, C, and E and F. Now we're going to get to the G. This is, these are ways to tell the fivefold apart and to try to give clarity and understanding for the difference of grace that God has granted. So apostles govern. That's your G. Prophets guide. Evangelists gather. Shepherds guard. 
and teachers ground. As far as I know, this little phrase right here in the hand has been in the church since the 80s. I don't know the source, but I do want to give credit to someone else. But this lacks a little bit. That's why we've expanded it and tried to bring more clarity. <clears throat> I want to further clarify apostles governing because ultimately the government of the local church rests on the shoulders of the elders who are leading and caring and protecting the flock. Now the relationship between apostolic ministry and elders is one of mutual submission and relationship where there's a double blessing that happens to the people of God but ultimately apostles aren't overlords who usurp or undermine the ministry and the authority of the elders are you with me so when we say apostles govern we mean that they set up government in the church because part of the role of apostolic ministry is they set in elders and deacons it's the apostles that set in the deacons in Acts chapter 6 in 1st Timothy in Titus 1 he tells them to set in order the things that remain set in elders in every city but what have we done <clears throat> we've said we don't like elders we don't want more we just want one Give us a king so we can be like every other nation. Give us a pastor so that we can be like every other church. Meanwhile, New Testament leadership structure is plural in every way. It's not a senior, associate, executive, youth, climb the ladder of the church, which is an enterprise. It's a body. And it's a family, and there are elders, plural, who serve and lead and hold one, or one another accountable. So apostles are submitted and accountable to elders. Elders are submitted and accountable to apostles. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, good deal. <clears throat> apostles, and we're going to do a P now. Apostles plant. Does that make sense to you? My God, if you don't get that after five or six weeks, I have failed you. Apostles plant, prophets provoke. I think every time my brother Jeremiah comes to this church, like 15 to 30 people leave. Like, hallelujah. Evangelists pursue. Shepherds protect. And teachers prepare. Again, these are unique word ministries that are given let's keep going the r apostles reveal what do apostles reveal money cars and clothes someone say christ apostles have a revelation of christ they preach christ so the other four might preach the what but apostles preach the who they preach jesus they reveal him apostles reveal Prophets rattle. Again, there's a shaking, <laughs> a stirring. Evangelists rescue. Go and get them. God was in Christ Jesus, rescuing, reconciling the world unto himself. Shepherds restore. True shepherds want to see people restored. They want to see people healthy. True shepherds have a burden, have a heart for those that have failed and fallen. They want to see them raised back better than they were before. And lastly, teachers root. There's a rooting and a grounding. 
of the teaching ministry and emphasis on knowing the word and eating, sleeping, breathing the word, definitions and cross-references. You need to get rooted in the word of God, says his teachers. The last is an S, apostles set in. What do they set in? Not sofas. <laughs> they set in elders and deacons. They set in government <clears throat> within the church. Prophets shift. Again, they're shifting. They're rattling. They're shaking. Evangelists spread. What do they spread? The gospel. Samaria gets the gospel through the evangelist Philip, who's spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Shepherds stabilize shepherds are attracted to people with shaky lives and they can't help it it's like flies to a light they're like oh you need help we need to we need to stabilize you we need to get you healthy you need to settle down a little bit teachers sharpen teachers going to make you hey Iron sharpens iron. You need to know the word. We need to be together. Teachers want to start a Bible study. Shepherds want to start a home group. Evangelists want to start an outreach ministry. Are you with me? Prophets want to start a gifts of the spirit class. Apostles want to start churches. It's because of the grace of God upon their lives. You can come up and take a picture of this, but I want to emphasize one thing in conclusion. As my voice leaves for Samaria. <laughs> the fivefold ministry isn't by personal choice or preference or desire. It's by a divine summoning and calling. And if you read the Word of God accurately today, I'm not sure what all the craze is. I think people want to be apostles because we've turned it into a, I want to be first and I want to be important and I want to feel significant and I'm the big diggity. No, you're last. You're lost. You're lowly. You're behind. You are at the rear of people pushing them. You're the drivetrain of the church, but you prefer to be hidden. That's what true apostolic ministry does. So God is restoring the ministries. If this is the first message you've ever heard about the fivefold ministry, you can go back and listen to the other messages and get educated and get taught and instructed in the Word of God because I'm telling you, Jesus is shut up in heaven until when? The restoration of all things. He's restoring the ministries He gave that He never stopped giving. He's restoring the gifts of His Spirit that He never stopped giving. He's restoring His fatherhood to the church and He's touching and changing lives and I'm telling you I'm so encouraged because the church is waking up like never before because people are hungry for a biblical expression classic denominationalism is dying and families are rising in the earth who say we just want to really really live out the word of God love one another well honor each other honor scripture and see God do his thing because this is what I believe most of all it's a mandate on my life we lack presence and power because we've not built according to the pattern. It's time for God to restore the building of his pattern within his church. Who's excited to see something biblical in your lifetime? It's amazing.
And can I tell you, we're not the only ones, and we're not the only ones doing it all right. We want everybody to catch fire and have a revelation that Jesus is worthy, that His Word is alive, and that we're not free to make stuff up and do church however we want. It's time to get back to what He instructed. Are you with me? All right, would you stand with me and pray? Father God, thank You so much for this morning. Thank You for Your love, for Your truth. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would restore the ministries and the gifts to your church. I thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active, that Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you, Lord, that you're demonstrating your power and your presence all across the earth. Lord, we love you, and we worship you, and we give you our very best yes this morning. We submit and surrender our will to you. We want you to have your way. We want to live a life of true surrender where we could say it's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Lord, you're worthy of all this and so much more. We bless you and we thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen.